Greetings, Maltopians. Are you looking to delve deeper into the world of Maltopia? Then check out our Patreon, where you can find written mythos pieces, world maps, found footage, art, Patreon-exclusive shows, and more. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Maltopia and join one of our tiers for access to great new content. Brave the forbidden and embrace the darkness. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
Humans are only things. Danny wanted a mother. I killed the man who murdered him. Cultivating darkness is defined fertile. Once beyond the city of cast-off skins, I entered a wide field, staying to the tallest grass. In the distance, I saw yet another strange city. It was shot through with spires and minarets, opulent onion-domed towers set upon needling bases of bronze and gold. Clearly nothing that lurked the landscape before the awakening. The sky above it seemed off, Strangely discolored, a recalcitrant patch of twilight left over from the previous evening, it seemed. More pressing than the sight, however, were the crowds of people advancing, vacant-eyed and mute through the distant fields. Entering the spiral, I drifted unseen between them as they came, though my grasp of what ailed them didn't improve for the proximity. They were drawn and haggard, their eyes focused on sights not available within the current world. And they were all old. Hags and goats, the lot of them. Each one of them were dressed in rags, but identical rags. As if their common condition demanded unified dress. Initially, I'd taken the bleak crowds for having departed this splendid city in the distance. But after I entered the woods at the end of the field... I realized they were coming from a vast cave. A wide mouth of stone yawned from without the side of a tall cliff, brambles and weeds overhanging it like unkempt tresses, the aged masses lurching beyond its subterranean darkness like corpses departing the grave. It wasn't my custom to flaunt common sense for curiosity, but nor was I a coward. So I made my way underground against the half-living current of elderly shamblers. Lit dimly by small torches anchored along the walls, the innards of the cave appeared unremarkable, as I traveled through enough caverns to know as much. But later, advancing beyond a massive cluster of colorless crystals that bloomed from the walls like fungus, things changed. Many hands must have worked the stone to make it so smooth and orderly, 
conforming to the dimensions of a flawlessly rectangular hallway. While the passage was vast and extremely well sculpted, it wasn't very flourished, just a neatly carved root descending deeper into the earth. With the last of the shamblers behind me, I was alone when I stepped into the gigantic room of polished stone. Onyx, perhaps. A small city could have easily fit inside, but instead of a city, the room was filled with countless rows of seats, the kind you'd find in a vintage movie theater. Aisles upon aisles were recessed within the slowly descending floor of unblemished stone, small walkways running between them. The bottom row abutted a body of black water that silently flowed before an enormous silver screen. The thing must have been the size of an aircraft carrier. It had been recessed into the back of the cavern, and there were words carved into the stone above it. They were written in Latin, reading, This is the courage of man to bear unflinchingly what heaven sends. I looked to the other end of the room where the projector would be. Sure enough, in the way back, there was indeed a wide hole cut through the stone, but I could see nothing beyond it. Even more curious for the message carved above the screen, I made my way to what must have been the projector room. What I found when I got there truly confounded me. With all its massive and menacing tubular protrusions, gigantic cranks, and the huge iron tripod it sat atop, the projector could have easily been mistaken for some kind of World War II turret. Yet, those were far from its most unusual features. That distinction belonged to its solidity, or lack thereof. The thing was transparent and only semi-solid. Setting my hand upon it, I could feel a slight pressure, just enough to assure me that the projector was in fact present, if not entirely. There was still film loaded into the device, and a button clearly marked on, even if that too was written in Latin. Again, I cursed myself for a fool. I'd seen the lines of mindless geriatrics wander out from this place, clearly affected by whatever they'd watched. And still, I pushed the button. I was no better than Donald or Wicked at that point, pushing reason aside for the sake of wonder. The projector and its secrets were fading, likely because of the awakening. I reasoned that its lingering survival likely concerned the old darkness at the bottom of the cave where it sheltered from the revealing rays of the sun, where a dream might well survive waking, if only for a brief time. But ultimately, or so I told myself, I wanted answers as to what had happened to the world, if only to have an advantage over those who had no idea. Granted, what was done was done, but there was a reason worth discovering about all of this, I was coming to believe. Enforcing my decision was that my mind was uncommonly strong, my will iron. 
Additionally, and perhaps most important, I would view the upcoming imagery from within the spiral. Once within its winding extents, I might further deduce the nature of what I was to witness. So with those two safeguards in place, I departed the projector room to watch the show. Beneath the dim torchlight bleeding in from the outer hallway, I strode to the end of the rose, to the very edge of the black lake. I watched as darkness began fleeing the screen, the soft touch of light from the projector booth washing it away, filling the air like a storm of insects, the vintage crackle of old movies infested the underground theater, a dull glow taking shape upon the screen, more Latin. Remember you the time when fathers glorious and greedy raced across the dimming world, committing their children to brilliance or blaze. And remember when the future lay down beneath the crown of hydras and the gaze of he who bears it. For the time of things has ended, and the father of nothing stirs from his palace within the void of wisdom, where nothing can be asked nor answered. As I confronted the images upon the screen, I became aware of others massing behind me, taking seats in the upper rows. These were not the geriatrics of before, but a more heterogeneous group, a cross-section of a diverse population. I reasoned that they were prophets of some design, perhaps drawn to the showing, addicted to the world as it would be, rather than as it currently was. But they kept to themselves and remained silent, so I saw no reason to concern myself with them. A tangle of dusky, metal serpents made to look like a crown melted into view. It was set in the middle of a scene of endless devastation. A single, unblemished point of infinite contrast. Armies made of both man and monster lay in heaps for as far as the eye could see and the earth around them was scorched and cracked, broken from endless war, I assumed. It didn't take long for me to realize that the movie was not free, or even charging matinee prices. The movie asked a steep price, and it was paid in the coin of time. Apparently, the cost of seeing the future was the present. A power came over the room, wanting to pluck the years from the assembly, the price of admission. While the spiral hid me from the invisible debt collector, I could still feel the draw of future ages tugging at my remaining years, wanting to dim the color of my flesh. Even the clothing of the other moviegoers was not spared its time, becoming drab and threadbare as the film rolled onward. Why was the New World so intent to compromise my clothing? Infused with the stolen years of its audience, the film rolled on, the scene lifting from the chaos upon the ground and focusing upon the pitch-black sky. The darkness filled with the visual debris of a vintage film until, very gradually, steadier points of light emerged against the noise. Stars. I was reasonably knowledgeable of the night sky, using it to navigate as often as I do, 
so I was familiar with all the presented constellations. One by one they lit up, till finally a star appeared that had no place within the night sky. For so small a light, it shined a horrible menace, many times the volume its size would suggest. Also, it would be a lie to say it was a true point of light, for it wasn't light as I knew it. It was something else. The shadow of light, perhaps. It's utter cancellation. And that's not to call it darkness, either. It was more like the effulgence of negation. With the appearance of the strange star, a new force came into the theater. Unlike the robber of time, the star wanted everything. Just everything. Again, the spiral shielded me from the greedy new force, and I noticed several audience members vanish in an instant. In short order, the constellations upon the screen began winking out, one star at a time. The camera tilted down from the vacated heavens, panning across the previously ruined landscape. The tiny star that was not a star shined oblivion down from the dead heavens, consuming the fallen armies, the ruined earth, and at last, the crown that had been laid upon the blackened earth, the moving ending as it began. As the screen faded to black, I could hear the film flapping against the projector, enunciating the end of the movie, if not the world it portrayed. Looking back at the audience, I saw another gaggle of vacant-eyed geriatrics, their departing gait the characteristic shamble from before. If they still had anything resembling a mind left, I wondered if they found the movie worth the money. As for me, I felt cheated. I had no interest in the film. While I had a keen eye for the immediate future, those few fleeting seconds that can make the difference between life and death, the far-flung stuff was never of any interest to me. Too many variables to calculate, and far too little accuracy on the part of those who tried. Turning to make my exit, I heard the projector click back on, as an all-consuming darkness swallowed the room. A strong wind rushed down the nearly endless rows of seats, and the screen lit up like a moon on a clear night. In slow, gradual turns, the screen dimmed, the night sky returning to star in yet another production. Perhaps it was the spiral, or even the movie itself, but I somehow intuited that this cinematic enterprise didn't partake from the future. In fact, I was certain it was a window upon the present. As before, the camera panned downward, only this time revealing a wide view of a swaying cornfield. Words, now in English, appeared atop the scene. They read, Forget them. Burn all. Burn everything. Fire is bright, and fire is clean. It was a quote from Ray Bradbury whose books I'd encountered on more than one of my feet victims' sprawling shelves. Naturally, in every case, I was the first to have cracked the binding. The sound of fire joined the crackle of the old film, flickering orange light pushing the night to the edges of the screen. The camera finally settled upon a massive wicker man, 
a towering thing standing lordly in a flame amid the wavering stalks. And then the voice I'd come to miss. Wicker man, wicker man, burning bright. Men and women sealed in tight. Heretics and witches howl and scream. Soon to be bones, all black and lean. Your pretty words ain't gonna save you, stranger. There's a god in them there fields. Spoke to us, he did. We woke up inside his thatch, yellow temples. Heard him whisper through the ground. Said that with the right fertilizer, ain't nothing this year's soil can't push up. My sister lost her little one to the corkflower plague years ago. My little teeny tiny niece, Lucy. And just yesterday, the soil broke her back. Grew right up out of the soil, good as new. So you see, you and the rest of them just gotta burn. It's, it's good for the crops. Why, it is awful kind of you to think of me as a gift fit for a corn god, but I'm afraid I must politely decline your hospitality. You see, I'm on a quest. A right jolly old adventure, I guess you might call it. And while the choice to burn is certainly a chaotic one, it veers too heavily into idiocy. There sometimes is no difference between the two naturally, but in this case, one is not the other. In fact, according to the general whims of irony, a more distinguished species of chaos, it's you and yours who should burn. And if chaos should be considered a god, I certainly feel more compelled to please mine rather than yours. My smirk was immediate. Wicked was ever the hater of rote and tradition, even those that formed in the most unusual ways. I could imagine what he thought of the corn worshippers, cows beholden to the whims of their arrogant master, forming ossified patterns of cause and effect, giddy with the prospect of bringing even more cows into the herd. He would do to them as I would, only he would be far more creative, whimsical. Undoubtedly, his was a dodgier approach to the art of killing, taking chances upon chances. Even when his methods were getting him killed, he'd persist. Not taking risks was like not breathing for him. I suspect it was that ruthless adherence to whimsy that allowed the family man to flatten him. Long ago, I tried to convince him that his dedication to whimsy was as mechanical as the order he so abhorred. He just grinned like the lunatic he was and said, Exactly. I never raised the subject again. <laughs> For who can reason with a madman? Well, we weren't expecting you to go quietly anyways. Boys, take him down. Very well, then. I guess it's time to husk the corn huskers. <laughs> Wicked skill with the knives was peerless. They were practically part of him. Knowing the family man bested him at his own game was the only thing that gave me pause to lock horns with the big artist. And it also made me all the more eager. Get him, you idiots. He's just one fella. Get him yourself, Quinn. He ain't human. I'm getting out of here. You goddamn coward. And we... we got to feed the fails. As I watched Wicked cut through the corn people, I noticed that his technique had changed or 
progressed. He was like a bladed whirlwind, occupying a wide vicinity rather than a specific location. He'd swing a blade to his left, his shape becoming blurry, and then the knife would land to his right. It was as almost like he occupied all killing angles at once and could spread himself across a wider area than a single man should inhabit. It seemed obvious. Wicked had been received of the same advancement, or quite possibly, evolution, as I had since the awakening. Unfortunately for the corn people, they seem no more gifted than any other hick born under a leaky roof. You see what happens when people mindlessly do what they're told, Quentin? Just a dash of disobedience is worth a pound of prevention. It's the vantage from outside the box, when you can truly see. I'd let you live, if I thought you'd learned your lesson. Or rather, unlearned your previous lessons. But I can see you're no wiser for the huskers who lay husked at your feet. You're just wondering how you might live to feed your field another day. You... You just try and cut me up, fella. And you'll see who gets taught a lesson. You know what, Quentin? I think I will let you live after all. For I, too, have planted a seed in this field. Why, I've sown doubt. I can see it in your little beady black buttoned eyes. Who knows if it'll take root, though? But sometimes a planter must hope against hope, mustn't he? But that's a risk I'm compelled to take, Quentin. Now go, shoo, find some new people to feed your field. Who knows? Maybe regrow your supplicant shit kickers. <laughs> Bound for God knows where, though somewhere close to the Ozarks, I hoped. Wicked walked beyond the light of the looming wicker man, whistling as he went. But then he stopped suddenly, his head craning in all directions, looking for something, or someone. Baron! <laughs> Perhaps I am bad, or at least matter than I thought. For a second there, I I thought I could feel that calculating gaze upon me. Where, oh where have you gone, my giant friend? I'd long abandoned any pretense of understanding the post-waking world, but somehow Wicked had sensed me. Perhaps he could hear me too. Wicked, I can see you, hear you. Tell me where you are, quickly. Wicked's eyes narrowed, his head tilting. Baron, I... I'm almost certain you're here. Somewhere. Somehow. You mad fool! Call out your location! Now! If you can hear me, old friend, meet me in the town of Bray, Missouri. I'll wait for you there. <laughs> it's the least a lunatic can do on the account of a fleeting feeling of a familiar fellow. Wicked shrugged and walked into the darkness, whistling again. The camera didn't follow along, and the screen went black. It appeared the old lady's vision proved somewhat accurate, 
Wicked was indeed in Missouri. I wondered how her vision of him running amok in the hospital might figure into all of this. Before I could continue to ponder the matter, the projector started up again. Bright red letters pressed into the utter blackness that hung across the screen. They read, The debt we owe to the play of imagination is incalculable. The quote from Carl Jung indicated that, like the wizened audience from before, I needed to pay the projectionist. Red Mother is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Stephen Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld, and sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Be sure to check us out at www.maltopia.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. If you want unique art and animations of Maltopia's stories, visit our YouTube page or click on the link in the show notes. If you're a fan and want to help the show grow, be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. And for more exclusive content such as additional lore, stories, and art, be sure to check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah.